Welcome everybody to the Ice House Fit Podcast. I'm Coach Mo. And I am Coach Jeremy. We're coming back to you all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and our big topic for today is our fourth pillar, recovery. I almost give you a da-da-da-da. Yeah, I need a little <laughs> fanfare for that one. Um, this is the first time that we've really talked about dedicated recovery on this podcast. And so to lead it off, we wanted to talk a little bit about the mechanisms underneath in your body that are the things that we're manipulating when we talk about recovery. This and is going to be fun because I have a feeling we're going to go full hippie and I'm excited for this. We're going to start full nerd and then we're going to go full hippie. So this is like <laughs> it's the perfect blend of the two of us. It really is. <laughs> um, so when we're talking about recovery, talking about the nervous system, the central nervous system, yeah. um, it has two main components or two main sides. We have the sympathetic and parasympathetic. If you're unfamiliar with those two terms or you've maybe heard one of your coaches talk about these two terms in more uh, general terms, the sympathetic response, that's your more stressed feeling response. Mm -hmm. That's your fight, flight, flee, or fawn. Got four Fs in there. I thought there was a freeze in there somewhere too. Freeze, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's the, the the side of your nervous system that wants Anything to that fight with an F. <laughs> all the F words. All of them, everybody. Every single one of them. Um, so it's all that highly stressed thing uh, side yeah. of the equation. The things that make you feel anxious, you're exhibiting a sympathetic response. The things that make you feel like you're frozen, you can't move, that's a sympathetic response. On the flip side of things, we have the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest and relax side of the equation. The spa day side. Exactly. Yeah. The side that you're having a day that just feels great and you don't know why. Yeah. You did it, everybody. You yeah. got there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so when we're talking about recovery, and even when we're talking about progressing in our exercise world, mm -hmm. and what we talk about as coaches, many a many great conversations. Deal. We have a lot of talks about this. Because ultimately what we're doing is we're trying to play those two sides of the, of the nervous system back yeah. and forth. Yeah. We want to introduce enough stress that the nervous system has to respond mm -hmm. in a sympathetic response. And then when there's enough recovery, we can go back towards the other side. That's where we see growth. Yep. And that can be personal growth. That can be spiritual growth. That can be physical growth. All, all of, of the realms. Yeah. So really, when we talk about the nervous system, we're talking about the thing that controls a Everything. big part of our yeah. existence and our reality and what we experience in life. Yeah, it really can, it dictates a lot of what we see in the world mm -hmm. and how we see performance and how we perform. And one of the things that we introduced um, in the last six or eight months is a lot of conversations of breath. And... One, the breath is like your secret weapon, everybody. Your breath is your secret weapon. It's powerful. Uh, it's so powerful. And it's so unconscious that we forget about it. Mm. And we can start to bring it back into the conscious mind and start to work with it as a tool. Mm. Man, cool things happen. Yeah. Super cool things happen. And so one of the first... Uh, ways we look at recovery is even down, not even, is down regulating from a workout. Mm -hmm. And so 
one of the ways we've introduced this is right after a workout, you know, we cool down, we put our stuff or like we kind of put our stuff away in our cool down. Slap your feet on the wall, lay on your back and breathe Mm -hmm. intentionally for a minute. And this could be nasal, like the actual type of breath does matter and doesn't matter at the same time. If you're just getting started in this, Put your feet on the wall and breathe. <laughs> like, yeah. However, never that, taken that time breath before. happens, yeah. <laughs> whether it's through your mouth, through your nose, whether it's your mouth, then your nose, vice versa. Focus for one minute on your breath. Mm-hmm. And every time you lose your thoughts, bring them back. And every time you lose your thoughts, bring them back and just breathe for a minute. Mm-hmm. And that's something we've introduced into the gym. Mm-hmm. And it is crazy how people leave after the classes that we do that. Yes. It's so cool. And, and those of you that are listening, you've experienced it. And you're you're likely nodding ahead along and going, yep. Yeah. And it's funny because when we started this, a minute felt like eternity to them. Mm-hmm. And now we get done with a minute or That's two minutes. It. We've kind of stretched it out to two. And they're still sitting there, feet mm-hmm. up on the wall, breathing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, hey, guys, just so you know, time's up. But like, if you want to be there, we're going to high five. You stay. You can do, do well, high thing. five on the floor. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean... We've both experienced various forms and various uh, methodologies in breath. The thing that I think is the the coolest piece of this is as I've continued my own personal education, not only for my coaching practice, Mm -hmm. but also for my own wellness journey as well, is that every new introduction that I have, whether it's something more on, say, the mindset side of things Mm -hmm. or something more on the physical side of things, there's always an underpinning of training of using the breath. Yeah. So in reflexive performance reset, those of you who've seen me teaching people to rub certain parts of their body. Also RPR for all of you who just got lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> RPR. The foundation of it all is breath. Yep. Uh, the founders of it always say, if you can think, or if you can find something that inc- improves human performance more than breath, we dare you to try it without breathing. Right. Because you're, yeah. you're just not going to be able to do it. You're not. And looking at what I've learned through my mindset certification with the Enlifted Method, Mark England talks about, you know, we're known as the word people. We're, talk, we're known as the story people. Mm-hmm. But gun to head, it's all about the breath. Yep. I mean, look at, so I just was watching Laird Hamilton the other day, and he said, I can live seven days without food, three days without water, and about five minutes without breath. Exactly. And five minutes is like... He's been that's training his record. breath for a very long time. He might have said three minutes, but like, that's how long we can live without it. Yeah. Right. And so, it, some people can only go thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, and so, really being intentional and and bringing intention to your warm up through the breath, mm-hmm. not just like, oh, I'm gonna intentionally warm up my shoulders because it's you know push press day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, um, it's checking in like okay i'm doing these pvc open over my heads but how do my shoulders feel take a deep breath and you can tap into that Mm -hmm. and so as we're talking about this let's talk about how we find most people breathing yeah and the goal with the breath yeah so if you're out there right now in listening land Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're probably like ooh, focusing on your breath more because we're talking about it um we call it shallow breathing and shallow breathing is the majority of the time trapped in your chest. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at people that can't breathe without moving their shoulders. 
who can't breathe without moving their belly. And this is both a societal thing as well as a stress thing, right? Especially for those of us who want to look leaner, we've always been told suck in your belly, right? Keep and your belly. The youngest age possible, mm-hmm. which is the normal way that if you watch a, a, a baby breathing, laying on its back, what that do you see? belly is like popped out. It looks like a little Buddha belly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole and rib cage is then, moving. And we start walking around. Yeah. That changes. It changes. And the perception changes. Yeah. And we're taught to like keep our belly tucked in and nobody wants to see your belly. Your belly has a purpose. Everybody in his six pack is not its purpose. Yes. <laughs> and even, you know, this conversation, this is a whole body image conversation of, of, yes. of you know, the perception that we have of what it, it means to look like and that, that level of leanness and that level of yeah. constantly flexed abs is possible. And I'm telling you, and the people who have that sort of physique will also tell you that it is not possible. It's not. They, you know, they're in their photo shoots, they're in their movies, yep. and they have to work to maintain that look. Yep. In the moment, they're flexing their abs or yeah. they're dehydrated massively. Or, like there's so many things that are part of that, that if they turned and twisted a certain way, it would all go away and it w- they would look like everybody else. <laughs> And so when we, the first thing that we talk about when we talk about breath is letting the belly relax, Mm -hmm. letting your booty relax. That was a, that was a lightning bolt for me. I did not know I could stand with a relaxed booty till I was like five years ago, four years ago. Yeah. I was so tight that if you can just like let that thing, that's why my booty is so big because I flex it constantly. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not that I do a ton of squat work, although I do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, potato, potato, but looking at like relax that belly. And so one of the easiest ways, and the reason we put people with their feet on the wall, one of the easiest ways to relax your belly is laying down Mm -hmm. and it it just naturally just kind of, you know, and so if we can bring the breath from the chest to the belly, Mm -hmm. and this is a practice everybody, because if you've been chest breathing for 35 ish years, to get that breath to your belly is like a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And so practicing in through tools of RPR, through laying down, through like when you're so tired, you have no other choice because you're just trying to breathe, um, allowing only the belly to move. Mm-hmm. And a, a, one of the cues we like to say is put your hand on your chest, put your hand in your belly. And allow that whole thing to rise. Right. So that's goal one is to bring the breath down into the belly. And, and Mark England says it best, we want to get low and slow. Yeah. Right? Um, the lower you can bring that breath all the way into your pelvis, you can breathe into your pelvis, everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that can happen. And so getting that breath that kind of low and then slowing it down. Because a lot of times when we're in our chest, we're in that stress response and everything is like, go, 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 check the box, do this, keep going. Mm-hmm. You have to slow that breath down. Yeah, so we're talking about the difference between a <laughs> and a <sighs> And if this just happened to everybody when somebody breathes deeply, I can't help but breathing deeply now. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we're breathing. Oh, yeah, it's time <laughs> to breathe, everybody. Yeah. And so that's step one, right, is to get the breath into the belly. Mm-hmm. And when you figure that out, here's a fun 
fun experiment that everybody can play just with the people around them. Yeah. Try this with your coworkers. <laughs> try this with your family members. Mind games. <laughs> yeah, a little it's a mm-hmm. mind game. It's a mm-hmm. just to see what happens when you're having a conversation with somebody, no matter how mundane or maybe as high stakes as it possibly can be. Focus on your breath. Breathe deep and slow. Maybe make it a little louder than you normally do. And watch what happens to the other person. It's called co-regulation, everybody. Mm -hmm. They will co-regulate with you. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah. The first time you have it happen, or the first time somebody calls you out because they know what you're doing, (laughs) (laughs) it's great. Because then you know, oh, I can not only influence my own breath, I can help to influence those around me. So if I'm constantly upregulated, I'm breathing so high into my chest, it's in my ears, and so shallow that it's not going anywhere but inside of my mouth, how do you think everybody else feels around me? What kind of a person, is that a fun type of a person to be around? Is that a relaxing type of person to be around? Is that who I want to be? And I'm sure we've all experienced this, so like just to give you a real world like thought of this, uh, your last stressful meeting that you had. So if you're out there in corporate land and you walked into a meeting and somebody was already at like an eight, nine or 10 and you instantly like tense. You went there with them. Yeah. And you just were right along the journey. Right. And it co-regulates both ways. Right. Mm-hmm. You walk into an island resort and everybody's happy and relaxed and instantly you're like. Pew. Or when you're on that island resort and somebody comes in. As like a, a freight train. You're like, stop killing the vibe, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. puckers up and nobody knows really. Like everybody's shoulders raise up and nobody knows how to get back down. Yeah. And so when we look at, um, when we look at the breath, like uh, one of the, one of my good friends wants to put a quote in their office that says, be mindful of the energy you're bringing in here. Mm-hmm. And you can absolutely alter the state of a room. Both good at quote unquote good and bad, both sympathetic and parasympathetically. So if you if you know you're walking into that meeting, you know you're walking into that place, you walk in low and slow. Mm-hmm. It will bring the ten to an eight or a six. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's that human connection piece, and so I want to bring this back to working out. Yeah, because. This is so, this is something I learned in high school playing basketball. When you're in a workout, and we just finished a workout as a staff, we were trying out, testing out, having some fun. It was five rounds of uh, about two ish minutes of mm-hmm. pretty intense work. Um, and then we had 30 seconds rest. And the person who can use that 30 seconds to bring their breath back mm-hmm. will quote-unquote win or get the best result or feel the best out of everyone that's in that room Mm -hmm. the person who is like oh shit there's only 30 seconds and they're thinking (laughs) about the next thing and they're still in their breath and they can't find their breath Mm -hmm. will progress will slowly decline over that workout if you've been around people who can repeat 500 meters every time it's because when they have that rest period they know how to get back to their breath and so when we look at performance, you can up and down regulate yourself in performance. Mm-hmm. And that is the key to 
peak performance or or even your peak performance yes right not necessarily like olympic level but Mm -hmm. like how do i feel really good in this workout use that rest Mm -hmm. and being able to turn the rest into from something that's passive into something that actually works for you yeah so if we look at if you've ever watched top level strength competitors the ones that are really really good yep i was just gonna go there i'm like this is your sport for a to a T. The power lifters, the, the Olympic weightlifters, the strong men. Um, yes, you have the outliers of the people who have the hype squad. They've got the headphones in. They, they're they're listening to the biggest, the baddest, boys, whatever it is, craziest yeah. hype music that they could possibly get blaring in their head. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed more often than not, those people, while very very strong and very well. Um, very accomplished in their their given sports the ones that are really winning the ones that are also in it and being able to do it for the long game for a long haul um are the ones that they look they lumber up to the platform or the competition floor and they look like they're about ready to take a nap mm-hmm. like a sleeping giant they're just um, okay and you're like wow well, that person's not going to do anything and they're able to flip that switch immediately from a very uh, parasympathetic range to a sympathetic range. They're able to go from zero to a thousand and they look like a psycho. Yep. And it's like, oh, well, how did that happen? Yep. It's because they're in control of their breath. They're in control of what's happening under the hood with their nervous system. And when it's done, they're, you know, if they won, they're pumped up, they're happy, they're able to go right back down again. So yep. they have this flexibility to go in and out and weave in and out and in and out and not need to be at a thousand the whole time that's fatiguing that is where fatigue happens and when yes. we're talking uh you know, strongman events where you're going to have four or five more events that's when you burn out real fast yep talk about crossfit athletes the same way you know even in powerlifting and olympic weightlifting you've got another lift to come afterwards or you've got two more attempts after that yeah if you're still at the highest possible nervous system output What's going to happen if you've got a five-minute wait, 10-minute wait? Yep. Can you maintain that, or are you going to crash? Yeah. So learning those pieces of it, learning how to operate with your breath as you are coming off of a lift, coming off of a an event, being able to slow the breath down, being able to extend your exhale, that's the key point that you're going to then pull yourself back down into that parasympathetic response. So we're going to nerd on what you just said there for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, slow, longer exhale than inhale. Correct. You'll hear us say this in class a lot. If you're in, if you're in our classes, deep breath in, long breath out. Mm-hmm. You want to nerd into this? Sure. Let's so talk about carbon, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about hydrogen ions. Yeah. I mean, that's one piece of this. And I'll let you, I'll let you handle that side of it. Yep. What I know of this is as we get that longer exhale, what we're really looking for in that modulation between fast in, fast out, fast in, slow out, in those modulations of how that breath is coming in and out of the system, is we're stimulating something called the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. And funny enough... The nervous system has a specific thing called vagal tone, vagus nerve, vagal tone, Mm -hmm. which gives us an indication of where, what sort of 
um, situation the nervous system is. Is it highly sympathetic? Is it highly parasympathetic? We can measure that through a fun thing called HRV, which is in every device known to man at this point. I think my toaster has HRV. Um, some good, some not so good. As we're able to change those things, so if we're coming in fast, out fast, that can be a highly upregulatory. It's stimulating the vagus nerve towards a sympathetic response. If we're slowing it down, especially on the out, it's stimulating and simulating a restful activity like sleep. Yep. So then the vagus nerve is stimulated towards the, sympath- the parasympathetic or rest and digest. You also have a whole lot of cool stuff happening when you stimulate the system. Um, uh, most people know it as lactic acid. Mm-hmm. Um, lactic acid is actually a fuel, and what comes out of that system is an extra hydrogen ion, mm-hmm. which can attach to carbon dioxide. Um, so you can attach that second hydrogen ion, and you're actually flushing out that extra hi- extra hydrogen ion with the breath. Mm-hmm. So it, for things that people can relate to, do a one-minute bike sprint. Um, you will feel that insane burn. Typically, people will peak somewhere at the 30 to 45 second, and then they're holding on for the rest of that one minute. Mm-hmm. They're holding on because there's too much hydrogen in the system to be able to function. It's just like a like a clog in the system. It's like a... It's the threshold. Yeah. It, it's just... It will break everything down. The people that can hold on the longest can focus on an exhale throughout that whole one minute cycle. Mm -hmm. Again, they're going to hold on maybe 39 seconds, right? Most people can't progress. If they're going hard, most people can't progressively stay at a state for one minute. Mm -hmm. Um, The elite, let's leave that. Let's leave this as like average person. Mm -hmm. Um, 20 seconds holding on hard as you can is awesome for most people on a one minute bike sprint. And then they're just holding on for the 40 seconds. And I mean, they're trying as hard as they can. Maybe they spike it like uh, 200, 400 watts. uh, And then it just progresses down from there. Mm -hmm. The people that can focus on a quick in and a long out during that cycle, your body is actually becoming a more, uh, a a better machine. It's becoming Mm -hmm. um, more efficient. That's expelling the waste product of that hydrogen ion. Yes. Quicker. And so not only are we activating a vagus nerve, we're also just, it's so tied together. It's crazy Mm -hmm. how, um, we can use the breath to upregulate ourselves and we can also use the breath to create a greater machine. Um, and we can use the lactic acid as a fuel source to give us like, like, it's like the, you know, like when your tank is empty and you find that extra little like drop of sugar and it's like, whoa, we're doing it. We're going four more miles. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's what the lactic acid is. It's not necessarily your greatest fuel source. It's not something you want to live in every day. Mm -hmm. Um, it will, when you feel, when you do a workout like that and you are sore for like three to five days, you did some good things with lactic acid, yeah. right? You use that, like we got to that fuel source. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why we have to really look at down regulation after that. We have to look at um, feeding our body after that. So when we talk about recovery from like a, you know, I've watched Olympic lifting, I've coached Olympic lifting. It's amazing how they have three to five minutes to hit a max effort lift bring themselves down 
be surrounded by people, chaos, stay down, and go back out. And the ones that control it the best are the ones that perform the best. And if you've ever had the opportunity to go to a high-level Olympic lifting meet, that back room energy, it took me almost two hours to downregulate, and I know how to downregulate from that experience. I left the back room shaking because my system was so overloaded with the energy that's back there. Mm -hmm. It's calling weights, it's finding lineups, it's getting people ready, it's, and everyone back there is doing that. And And everything's up, 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 up. It's so up. And you as the coach are, if, if you're an empath or if you know about energy, you're doing your best to funnel that off of your athlete. So that your athlete can just be like a Zen Buddha warming up. <laughs> and again, my my approach to it is keeping my breath low and slow. Yep. Keeping my my breathing under control. That helps me keep my script in my head under control so that the athlete can focus on them and how they feel. And they're not focused on well, what's the weight? What can I do next? Well, I messed that up. And when you're good at doing that, for me, that's what I would do as well. It, but when I would walk out of that environment, it was like a dump. Yeah. It was just a straight, like, oh, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> just feel like I did a marathon. You, yeah, yeah, coaching Olympic lifting, I swear they work seven times as hard as the athlete because oh, yeah. it's crazy. And so when you're in you know if you're in any type of workout situation mountain biking is a great one if you're uh running races um the more that you can like there's rhythms of breath that you can get into when you're running two inhale one exhale um that can help you sustain and maintain it can also take the mental side out of it um there's a rhythm with the vagus nerve with two inhale one exhale it's like other way around yep you can maintain that style of breath through movement mm-hmm. um, and keep yourself in a mid-regulated state. Yeah. It's almost like a, a rhythmic state. Mm-hmm. And so when then when you're done, you can have that full down regulation. And it's so like, I'm getting excited because it's so <laughs> cool how interconnected you look at what Jeremy was speaking about with the vagus nerve, how that then can affect your Krebs cycle and your protein cycles and all of these things. All that the chemical processes that are going on in your body that fuel your the movement forward. Yeah. In, in a race or the movement upwards in an Olympic lift or like whatever it is that you are doing, even if it's a yoga practice, 100%. And like a yin yoga practice where you're holding positions, yeah, using the breath to be able to then relax and allow the chemical processes in the body to let the tone of the muscles relax even further to be able to get deeper into the stretch. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that people can relate very much to too, is like, even if you stretch on your own and you're holding a stretch and you can manipulate the breath, you can get that low and slow breath, how your body is like, Mm -hmm. or if you've been in a yoga practice or stretching on your own, and you find that stretch or you find that pose, you're like, I know this is one that I need to be doing more often. It doesn't feel the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you try to force yourself into it. And it's hard to, or difficult to breathe in that way as you're there. It's difficult to relax into it. And the more that you fight it, the more that your breath gets out of whack <laughs> and the harder <laughs> it becomes. It 
Yeah. And then if you back off and you can focus on your breath, all of a sudden it gets easier. Almost like it's magic or something. Right? It's so bizarre. There's a saying in the fitness world, if you can breathe in the position, you own the position. Mm-hmm. Although I don't love that language. Um, we look at it a lot for a pull-up. Mm-hmm. Um, people who want pull-ups that are working on their progressions and you're doing a, a chin over the bar hold. If you are a chin over the bar hold, and we can relate this to a lot of things, um, and you're like, I got it, and you haven't taken a breath in like (laughs) the 20 seconds that you're doing your chin over the bar hold, Mm -hmm. you don't have that position yet. Yeah. If you can chin over the bar hold and take a deep breath, you have that position. Mm -hmm. We see this a lot in the CrossFit world when people are working on handstands or handstand walking. If you're walking on your hands and you can't breathe, you don't have that position yet. Mm everything is at a 10 in your body you're taking a breath and holding on for dear life and hoping that you can get those hands to work as fast as you can yep (laughs) and then hoping you get past the mark before you have to take another breath yeah because when you breathe you gotta stop yep you come down everything crashes right um it's almost like being not being able to take steps without stopping and breathing yeah and it's we can look at this from the bottom of a squat like for my own personal squat journey uh we did I don't remember what month it is. We did a bottom of the squat hold for a month. Mm-hmm. So it was like you could choose two minutes or four minutes every day sitting in the bottom of the squat. For some people, no big deal. Whatever. They're just hanging out there. And there. For people that are working on their squat, I would. I still brush my teeth in the bottom of a squat. Mm-hmm. And I have one of those electric toothbrushes that has a timer of two minutes. So um, I would sit in the bottom of the squat, start my toothbrush, off we go. And... By about a minute, everything had lit up. And I was like, dear God, toothbrush, hurry up. (laughs) (laughs) Time, go faster, please. I timed my toothbrush one time to make sure it was two minutes. (laughs) This was like five. (laughs) This is 20 minutes. And the more time went on, because so so I've been doing this for about six months now. And I can sit comfortably for a minute 30 and I can breathe and I can brush my teeth and I can play with the dogs and still that last 30 seconds is like ooh, okay hmm, all right we're doing things mm-hmm. we can do this um, and then the more breath you have in that position which is hard when you're brushing your teeth I don't recommend starting <laughs> that way this was kind of later in the challenge um, but the more that you can start to breathe and I'll do that I'll take one deep breath and then it'll be like a a slow breath out because I'm like holding my breath, fighting the position a little bit. But the more you can use your breath in performance or in static holds or whatever it is, the longer and slower your body will start to adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should bring this back to recovery. Yeah. <laughs> we nerded out on breath for a while. Yeah. Well, and as we've been talking, the breath is so intrinsically linked with the recovery process yes and so what does that look like from practices people can do using their breath yeah um one of my favorite beginner practices i think this is where we're going with breath is box breathing Mm -hmm. it's the easiest kind of intro to breath work yeah and you make a box so starting with four to five seconds is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. So four second inhale, four second hold of your breath in, let it go for four seconds, hold it at the bottom for four seconds. And so when we talk about 
the breath hold. For some people, when you breathe all the way out and hold your breath down here at the bottom, it will make your brain go to like a 12 Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. We're drowning. Yeah. So for those of us that like control, I'm a recovering control addict. (laughs) Um, When you hold your breath in and you hold at the top, you're in control. And so it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. If you've never done a box breath, give it a try. Four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold. The out, cool, got it. The hold at the bottom is like, uh uh-oh. Everything in your brain is like, breathe, breathe now, breathe right now, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. That is your uh, letting go of control, everybody. And this is a, a cool place to start. This can also be for those of us that are experienced with breath, a good indicator of where your central nervous system really is. Mm-hmm. Because if you're super experienced and you can, like you've been doing Wim Hof or whatever breath practice of your choice and you can hold an out breath for a minute, two minutes, and then you do it one day in that five seconds, your brain is like, breathe, breathe, breathe. That's mm-hmm. a good sign that you're in your sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so, when we look at that outhold, reminding yourself you can do this and reminding yourself you're safe, is it is it also a really great practice to pair with a box breath and starting to understand what safety in your body feels like. So breathe it in, hold it up. You're like, yeah, no big deal. Breathe it out, hold it out, and just know that you can count to five. I'm safe to count to five. I'm safe right here. Nothing's going to happen. And then repeat the practice. This gets easier over time. Um, I know a lot of people that have started with a box breath and they're like, I get to five seconds and I'm, I'm panicked. Mm-hmm. Remind yourself you can do this. Remind yourself you're safe to do this. You're just literally sitting in your living room, in your chair, at your office chair, in your bed. No monsters are coming to get you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one great way to get introduced and get started on the path of using your breath for your recovery yeah and using that you know say you do have a very stressful meeting at your job or at your office box breathe you know if you got a cubicle (laughs) maybe you know put the the headphones on and breathe that way uh close your office door you can even you can box breathe and walk you can go to the park lay down in the grass if it's not winter (laughs) (laughs) or raining or anything like that unless you're into that sort of a thing yeah um yeah find a space go through a few rounds and then do a little check-in with yourself and see how you feel yeah being able to reinforce those pieces as well makes it i find it personally easier to um make myself do them or actually choose to do them when i know i need to do them whereas if i if i don't have the reinforcement we're like ah yeah i'll box breathe later today it's fine whatever i'll I'll down regulate when it's time to go to bed yeah rather than like take the second right now take the five minutes it's going to take right now lay on the floor breathe come back at it knowing that when i come back i'm gonna be a little less stressed i'm gonna be a little bit more sharp i'm gonna be able to do the things that i've been putting off and procrastinating on because i've owned control of my breath i'm owning the position that i'm carrying in time and space right now 
Absolutely. And my brain is trying not to go to like seven other podcasts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When we look at that, this can also be a great thing to add into that 230 slump that you feel Mm -hmm. um, is to come back to your breath. Yeah. And so let's look at, um, I want to bring this for a, let's say we're taking a quote unquote recovery day. Mm -hmm. So we've trained for two days, maybe, uh, maybe we've gone every other and we're, we're going to try a focused, intentional recovery day. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? For myself? For you, yep. That looks like, for me, first thing when I wake up and I'm setting that intention for the day, that this is a day focused on recovery. Mm-hmm. I start off my day with three things, which is light, water, and writing. Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing so, breath is a big por- portion of that. Yep. Um finding ways to move my body that are not necessarily with a specific intent towards performance. So it's going for walks, keeping it nice and slow, working with my breath, keeping it low and slow. Or that could look like a very relaxing yoga practice. It could be a yin practice. It could be, um, like I just experienced this past weekend, a nidra practice, which yep. is the practice of doing nothing and then do less. Finding the ways. You just blew people's minds yeah. out there in podcast land. Yeah. There is, a, there is a time and a space where you can dedicate to doing nothing. nothing. Yeah. And it is a practice to learn how to do that. Yes. And it's, it's a practice. It's, um, it's less of a switch and more of a process. Yep. It's not a switch it's you a can turn on. Podcast. Yeah. We have so many thing. podcast ideas just from this. <laughs> just coming out of this. My brain yeah. was like, ah. And so, uh, you know, again, moving my body in a way that isn't necessarily an intent towards athletic performance or a specific body composition goal. It's general movement, moving my body to make it feel well, focusing on my, on my breath and doing activities that generally make me feel good. Eating good foods, writing when I feel the need to write, reading when I'd like to read. Yeah, that's very similar to how to how mine goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably a lot of people out there that are listening to this and they're like, there's no way I can do all of those things in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, 10 minutes, 10 minutes is it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When we talk about these practices, one of the most important things, recovery day or not recovery day, uh, you can do is find light in the morning. And light from that big ball in the sky, not like, ooh, I flipped a light switch on. (laughs) There are types of- That's the ideal, yes. Yeah, there are types of lights that you can get, especially for those of us that are up before that big ball in the sky is awake, um, which is both Jeremy and I. However, the more sunlight you can get, uh, the better. So even both of us open the garage doors when we get there in the morning because the light is coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Winter is coming. Uh, <laughs> and as much as you can, uh, also without a pane of glass separating yeah. it as well. Yeah. Like open the screen or, you know, get real light. Mm-hmm. Um, Full spectrum. A, a five-minute journal practice. And for me, what that has led to is about 10 deep breaths and setting an intention for the day. Um, Sometimes I'll even do this very intentionally in the shower. Mm 
Um, for me, water is a really good grounding source for me. So in the morning in my shower, like my intention today was to be as present as possible as long as possible. Um, and so I knew like we have our staff meetings when on the days we record this and so being present for those and then it's I have pretty big focus blocks on my on my days and being as present as possible so for me I am a dreamer so it's really hard for me to not be like oh this is where we're going and just stay there mm-hmm. to like come back <laughs> like but we're here um bridge the gap yeah so i have a toolkit of five things and i pick one of those five in the morning on a reco- try to do it most days for sure on a recovery day because mm-hmm. like i'm not rushing out the door uh, it's either what we call gratitude popcorn a journal breath work um, some type of movement meditation or a seated meditation and just like Jeremy was talking about the practice of doing nothing, it's all of what we're doing in life, everybody, spoiler alert, is a practice. Mm-hmm. Every day we're practicing at something. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's uh, Excel. Maybe still practicing that for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it's, you know, if you're a coach, it's, it's your coaching. If you're um, uh, working a I know Scott listens to this. If you're delivering packages, like you're, mm-hmm. you're practicing every day. Like, can I do this delivery faster? Can I do this more efficient? Can I relax here? What about this? It, it's practicing curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so instead of thinking of like my morning has to be this rigid thing and I have to do these things, I give myself five things to choose from and then like whatever feels great that day, let's do that. It's almost like you're saying that your experience and your level of proficiency in any given skill is a spectrum and not a binary. You're not good or bad. You're just where you are. Just where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that might feel good or bad when we deep dive into comparison, which is again, another podcast. (laughs) Um, but when we look at recovery, it's one of those five and then it's, um, very much a, like Jeremy said, and I can't stress this enough, a non goals based movement practice. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, your recovery is getting you to your goal. A recovery day is not an easy 2K row. Mm-hmm. A recovery day is not a 5K run. Mm-hmm. A recovery day is slower than I'm that. I'm just going to do an easy Spartan race. Right? That's, <laughs> we've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> it's a recovery day. It's no big deal. Um, recovery means slowness. Mm-hmm. It means intention. Um if you're going to set a recovery day, an intentional stretching, uh, squatting, um, maybe it is to go for a 45 minute walk. Mm-hmm. Um, those types of things get out in nature. Start Take your walk to notice, not take your walk to check the box. Mm-hmm. Can you play a little bit in that 45 minutes? Is there a, is there a park? Is there something like that? Something that recreational can, that you enjoy to do. Throw a frisbee, throw a ball, yeah. ride a bike. Yeah, get back into um, play is a great recovery day, uh, unless you're playing flag football. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, bringing in those intentional movements. And then the other thing that Jeremy touched on that's super important um, is that food piece. And it should be every day. A lot of times when we take, like, if we're spending an hour at the gym and on our recovery day we're not going to the gym, we have that extra hour to, like, put some intention into cooking a really good meal. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's not grabbing it out of a plastic container this day. It's, oh, I get to, like, really cook and enjoy this and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, doing, like, 
a recovery day should include something that you love to do, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It should include whatever that something is, hit that for your recovery day. Yeah. Yeah. Eating things that help you feel good, help you feel. It's easy to also turn a recovery day into a less than ideal nutritional situation. Yeah. Of like, oh, I'm resting, so it's pizza day. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, if that's really what, what lights you up and makes you feel great, um, Make it at home. Make it at home. Yeah. Make an event to do it. Yeah. Like make it a, like a cool thing that you're going to do. Look what you can add to it. Can yeah. I add more vegetables to it? Can I make this better somehow? Yeah. Um, know yourself. Know your body. Know what f- makes you feel good. Yeah. And stick with that. And then breathe, everybody. Yeah. Intentionally. Throughout your whole day. Yeah. The breath is the foundation to everything that drives you. Yeah. Well, with that, let's close it off for another episode of the Ice House Fit Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Coach Jeremy. And I'm Coach Mo. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, we would very much appreciate uh, putting a review out on your uh, preferred podcast platform. Either your iTunes, your Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening to us. It helps us to get in front of more listeners like you. And also, if you are um, inclined to share this with people who are not part of the Ice House Fit family, please share that with them as well, especially people that you know have a hard time downregulating. Thanks again, and we will talk to you next time.